Elfinworks Productions presents Ribbons and Bows, American Women in Violin History. Last time on Ribbons and Bows, we moved from the Romantic era through World War I and the Roaring Twenties. With a nod to the legendary violinist Fritz Kreisler and his time in the trenches of World War I, we took a look at how war affected the careers of so many of our young heroines as we met six starlets, Irma Seydel, Kathleen Parlow, Estelle Gray-Levin, Ilsa Nemac, Barbara Lull, and Ruth Ray. Follow us now as the Roaring Twenties grind to a terrible halt, the stock market crash and the Great Depression. To escape from depression into joy, people willingly placed themselves under the spell of the entertainer. And there was something particularly transportive about the magical bows of Ruth Breton, Leona Flood, Viola Mitchell, Ruth Posselt, and Bird Elliott. What had happened? Where had we gone wrong? In a word, greed. With the twenties at full roar, the country had experienced what it had called the new era, low unemployment and general prosperity. There were still huge disparities in income, but people weren't feeling much pain about it. Nope, everyone wanted to share in the abundance, and they thought they could through speculating. That's basically gambling on stock values. The idea of a stock market had existed since the 12th century France, but the reality that anyone, the average person, could invest and trade on the margins was new and exciting. Hundreds of thousands of Americans invested heavily, many of them borrowing funds to do so, gambling that the stocks would continue to go up. The rules had been relaxed in ways that allowed people to do this sort of gambling. What could possibly go wrong? Down it went in the stock market crash, losing 89% of its value and taking their dreams and their savings with them. Americans across the nation experienced poverty and lack, the likes of which they'd never known. With depression, the mood was dark and colorless, often absent of hope, and the people turned to entertainment to take their mind off their troubles for a time. Movies had never been more popular or well-attended. So too the stage. Maud Powell was still there, among the old guard of pioneering women violinists who were still entertaining crowds, including Irma Seydel and Kathleen Parlow. But there were many new faces as well. Among the many notable women on the violin stage during this challenging time were three American players, Ruth Breton, Leona Flood, and Bird Elliott. Although she'd formally stepped onto the stage in the mid-1920s, Ruth Breton had her heyday during this time period in the 30s, forging an unassailable reputation both in America and Europe after studying under Leopold Auer in New York. As Lawrence Gilman of the Herald Tribune tells us, she is a product of the Auer greenhouses and reflects much credit on that accomplished nurseryman. She has a fluent and confident technique a large, warm, and often beautiful tone helped out by the uncommonly fine Amati upon which she plays. From the moment she made her debut New York recital appearance in Aeolian Hall, critics had taken note. The Christian Science Monitor, writing, it is seldom that so gifted a newcomer appears in our concert rooms. The New York Times described her as having imagination, feeling, and inherent individuality. The Cleveland Plain Dealer called it plainly a violinist born to the purple, meaning 
coming from a royal bloodline. And so it is that the critic in the sun wrote not just of a fiery style of fine sensitivity, but also of taking pleasure to note the aristocratic finish in her art. Her repertoire included Vaughan Williams' The Lark Ascending, which she was reported by the Morning Post to have played with a great deal of imagination. Also, the Vitale Chaconne, which she played with right feeling. Lalo's Symphonie Espagnole, with all the virtuosity that the work demands. And Paganini. The New York American especially appreciated her Vitale Chaconne as notable for nobility and style. We also know that she performed Glazunov's concerto. When she did, Lawrence Gilman in the New York Tribune raved, she exhibited again the characteristics which impressed her hearers in October, the musical quality of her phrasing, her large and opulent tone, and the sincerity of her artistic attitude. A fabulous violinist with exceptional gifts. This time, the violinist comes not from the Danube, but from the Hudson. A violinist of extraordinary ability. A violinist of the very highest qualities. Her tone is rich, brilliant, and personal in quality. Yes, critics hailed her. And Miss Ruth Breton was roundly loved by her audiences also. The Post wrote once that she had to stay for five encores, as the crowd's hovered about the footlights after the regular program. All this is recorded for us and for posterity. But sometimes an artist doesn't live up to the promotional copy. Sometimes critics write out of kindness, and sometimes artists disappoint. Could this have been the case for Ruth? Not so. The New York Telegram tells us she never disappointed. The Tagblatt tells us, after extolling her vivid temperament and big, noble, unimpeachably pure tone, that she had a never-failing technique of bow and finger. Never-failing. High praise indeed. In fact, she surprised critics by playing better and better, as Pitt Sanborn noted in the New York World Telegram. Breton played as perhaps she never had played here before. She fairly outdid herself as regards richness of tone, brilliance of execution, and irresistible verve. And... As if to put a point on it, writing in the Times, Frederick Ramig wrote, Miss Breton is a real characterization of what her advance notices portrayed her. Yes, folks, she's all that. Ribbons and Bows, American Women in Violin History, a presentation of Elfenworks Productions beyond film and music, will return after this brief message. Hey, kids, got stress? A breathing butterfly can help. It's easy and fun. Visit www.elfenworks.org butterfly to find out how. Now we return to Ribbons and Bows, American Women in Violin History, a presentation of Elfenworks Productions beyond film and music. Leona Flood was born in Spokane, Washington, and began playing violin at the age of five. She was tall, blonde, and had the charming personality that shone through all her shimmering music. She performed for audiences all over the world during her world tour. Everyone loved her majestic poise and delightful tone. Her violin, the one that helped her produce all these lovely sounds, was the Lark Stradivarius, made in 1698. 
Yes, she may have been sweeter than a lark in the morning. But critics wondered, what sort of bargain did she strike to attain such sweetness? Indeed, her playing of the Paganini Concerto suggested that she, like the composer, had made a secret pact with Satan. Edward Barry, Chicago Tribune. When Edward Barry named her playing worthy of Paganini, that was the highest praise. For Niccolo Paganini was perhaps the most celebrated violin virtuoso ever, and a pillar of modern violin technique. Paganini was a consummate showman. He would send women into towns ahead of his arrival to swoon and carry on. He would secretly saw at one of his strings before a concert, so as to ensure it would break midway, allowing him the astonishing feat of finishing on three strings rather than four. When he was said to have made a deal with the devil, this too hearkened back to an old legend, that of Dr. Faustus, who traded away his soul for what he hoped would be a path to happiness and love, leaving us with the term Faustian bargain. Surely, Leona made no such bargain. But when her bow hit the strings of her lark Stradivarius and sounded the fiery and devilish fury of Paganini, you can forgive any critic for wondering. (laughs) Viola Mitchell was born in Pittsburgh and began studying under Margaret Horn. She moved to Brussels in 1926 and stayed there until 1929. While in Brussels, she studied under Eugene Itzai. Itzai was also teaching Queen Elizabeth of Belgium at the time. Itzai would bring Viola to the Queen's lessons, and they would play lovely chamber music together. Mitchell performed all over Europe and America, and she even performed at the White House for President Roosevelt. And it wasn't just royalty and presidents who were fans. So were the critics played superbly with the innate finesse of a great artist. Viola Mitchell scores shouted triumph. She proved the most artistically satisfying of all the women violinists. Violinist wins instant praise at debut. The New York Herald Tribune called her musicianly. The Washington Herald heralded her as an artist of remarkable gifts and accomplishments. She was, according to the Chicago American, easily one of the most outstanding musical figures that has graced Orchestra Hall adding, we must employ the greatest encomiums in writing about her. But perhaps the highest praise came from the Minneapolis Tribune, who called her the best woman violinist we've heard since Maud Powell was at her best. Sadly, she became ill in 1959 and was no longer able to perform. This episode features excerpts from works in the public domain and copyrighted recordings of Maud Powell that were used with permission from the copyright holder. For details, including full legal notice, visit elfinworksproductions.com. This concludes part one of a special extended presentation of Ribbons and Bows, American Women in Violin History. Tune in next time for part two. Learn about all our products, including this one, available as an audiobook release, and find more information and detailed histories online now at www.elfenworksproductions.com. We thank you for your patronage and partnership as we strive to tell the stories that matter. Copyright 2018, Elfenworks Productions, LLC. All rights reserved.